Welcome to Podcasts on Demand, a continuing medical education activity. This activity includes the most recent and current clinical data presented by leading experts. If you are seeking continuing education credit, please review the disclosures and the requirements for a successful completion of the activity prior to listening to the podcast. A link is found in the podcast description that can direct you to this information. Welcome to episode 404 of the Expert Insights on ITP, How Do Emerging Treatment Options Have the Potential to Transform Patient Outcomes podcast series. I am Dr. Cindy Neunert, and I am joined by Dr. James Bussell. In this final podcast, we will discuss an elderly patient case presentation to review these challenges and to assist clinicians on the best ways to select the most appropriate treatment, as well as address the significant health burdens and complications experienced by many patients with ITP. I would recommend that you download the accompanying slides to follow our discussion in this podcast. Thank you for joining us in this educational series on ITP. And now, uh, Dr. Bussell, will move on to our second interactive case. Okay. Thanks, Cindy. Well, this is a 78-year-old male, and he presented to the emergency department with a lot of pain that was nonspecific, and he said to have a low platelet count. This is what we're hearing when he comes to us. And he had been feeling well, but then he had some nonspecific low back pain some joint pain, which was mainly in his shoulder. He had an episode of hematuria and of epistaxis, which were apparently self-limited. He also thinks that he's been feeling extremely tired of late and denies any additional hematuria or other types of bleeding. So we have to think very carefully about what's going on with this gentleman. If he was younger, uh, we might think that he had uh, lupus or, or something like that, but a 78-year-old male presenting with that would be unlikely. He's got a history of some other comorbidities, hypertension, type 2 diabetes, and he says he's been thrombocytopenic for a while. He had a left inguinal repair previously without incident, and his labs come back with a hemoglobin that's a little lower than what he's run apparently in the past, a crit just under 30, normal white count, very importantly, a normal MCD. His platelets are 10. His PT, PTT, and INR are all normal. And I think Cindy has shown this to you already, and there's a lot of options um, to look at, and this is a gentleman who would deserve more of those options as opposed to less of them. He probably could benefit from hemolysis labs. Um, and um, at his age, again, quantitative immunoglobulins might be interesting, especially if it was done with an immunoelectrophoresis to see if it had a monoclonal spike. It turned out his guaiac was positive and his urine had microscopic hematuria. And fortunately, the bone marrow was relatively normal. So we know that the platelet count does, to a certain extent, go with the bleeding risk. And these counts as listed might fit younger, healthier patients. But we know in an older patient, as you can see in this slide, um, there's a greater risk of intracranial and serious hemorrhage when you get above the age of 60 and he's 78. 
We would worry in his case about an increased risk of serious bleeding. He said he's fatigued. We're not sure could this be mild anemia, maybe combined with iron deficiency because of the bleeding. He's got reduced quality of life. He lives on his own, so we don't know much about his anxiety, but it wouldn't be surprising. And he told us he's had some activity restrictions. We talked about fatigue being very common as part of ITP, and depression can also. We reviewed that fatigue doesn't always correlate with the platelet count, though there's nothing. And that we would want to think about some of the organic causes uh, in addition to psychological fears and other issues that might actually be driving it. In particular, we think about thyroid, anemia, rage. We talked about those. If there was a reason that he was having higher stress, there's many possibilities here, and it can be really difficult to sort them out in many patients. Assessing quality of life with patient-reported outcomes, I'm sure many of you are familiar with those from the cancer world, um, and that's really important. Um, the SF36, I like it because of the way it divides up areas. The ITP packs very good, but as Cindy said, it's hard to come up with one of these that really is time efficient and covers all the bases. And I don't think it's news to anybody about the long, short and long-term steroid toxicity data. Um, I think also that you know that Part of the heterogeneity of the disease falls into which patients respond to which treatments, which patients with given treatments have side effects, which ones feel better, all kinds of things. So it's important to really pay attention to what's happening in your patient. And um, I think Cindy would agree that the guidelines, while they do the best they can with the information available, do not, like, provide you with clear resolution in lots of areas when there just isn't the data there to um, go with them. And the limited number of randomized controlled trials in ITP that have been conducted have compared treatment to placebo or to standard of care, but not to another therapy. And that that's what makes it difficult. So he was admitted... Because of his history, low count, and his ongoing bleeding, and his age, he got started on IVIG and prednisone, and he did well right away, but then his platelets dropped. And the patient said, I'd prefer a tablet that I only take once a day and something I don't need to visit my doctor regularly with as transportation is a problem and I hate getting shots and IV." But I definitely want to treat to work well, be safe, and not make me feel bad while I take it. So this is somebody who wants the Holy Grail, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But it means you have to monitor and see how what your choice is works. So if he doesn't want sub-Q, IM, or IV treatment, similar to Cindy's patient, that eliminates some of the options, Romaplostin and Rituximab, he's definitely at increased risk of bleeding because of his age, 
and because of his GI and GU bleeding, even though they're not major, he's had compliance problems in the past. So he's asking for a pill. You definitely want to go with what he wants to and is willing to do. And similarly, fosamatinib, avitropapag, ultramapag, even an immunosuppressive agent would be eligible, and all of these have been used extensively. This is somebody, based on past compliance, that you would like to pick something he'll respond to so he doesn't get discouraged and not do treatment at all. And that includes minimizing side effects. So this would suggest a TPO agent. And Cindy covered this already, the idea of the dietary requirement, liver problems. And it's easier dealing with one tablet size, since you may know that Avitrombopag just gives 20-milligram tablets, and you go from one a week to two every day. So it's a little easier to not have to worry about which size you're going to use and, oh, I was on one size, but then I have to go to another. Um, he knows there's less experience. There's not a lot of long-term data yet. And there's been a little bit of a suggestion, as Cindy commented on, that there may be a slightly increased risk of thrombosis, though that was with some of the earlier studies more than the more recent one. He's able to be reassured, given that his income is very low, that there are patient assistance programs, that he can monitor his count locally and do a fair amount of video visits, which all of which are made easier by knowing that his bone marrow is good. So he started on Abitrom Peg, and he takes 20 milligrams a day, five days a week, and 40 milligrams or two tablets twice a week. He comes back in three months. He's not bleeding. His platelets are okay, but his fatigue hasn't improved. Even though his platelets and hemoglobin are better, his guaiac and his urine are negative. So he, as we pointed out before, and Cindy said, you got need to keep retesting. It turns out he's hypothyroid, and putting him on thyroid makes things better for him. So again, you've heard this before, but there are multiple therapeutic strategies. They need to be individualized for the patient. And very important, again, you and the patient could decide on something, but you need to keep monitoring it and be willing to re-decide if there's any reason that it's not working out. Maybe your patient isn't doing as well with it as you and he or you and she would like. Maybe your patient is being made nauseous by it, even though very few patients are, etc. Thank you for listening to this final episode in the Expert Insights in ITP, How Do Emerging Treatment Options Have the Potential to Transform Patient Outcomes? We hope you enjoyed this podcast series and we'll be able to take home to your practice some of the things that were discussed. We hope you found this podcast useful and educational. To receive continuing education credit and to download your printable certificate, please go to the activity page at practice.cme.com to complete the post-test and evaluation to receive continuing education credit.